Today we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, where we were last week. We're going to get a few more verses into it. So let me begin with the text. Romans chapter 8. I'll start in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free. Free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. It's the word of the Lord. So I want you to imagine, we're at the Summer Olympics. Got nine of the fastest men on earth in the 100 meter dash. And Pastor John steps into lane five. I do that thing they all do, you know. And the starter says, take your marks. And I kick into my blocks in my nice running preaching shoes. He says, set. 9.56 seconds later, I break through the tape. I've won the finals of the 100-meter dash in the Summer Olympics. Everyone in the stadium is looking at me going, the other nine guys who trained for years are looking at me going, reporter comes up to me. Um, how? I said, oh, it wasn't me. It was Usain Bolt in me. They, they put him in a pill. I swallowed the pill and, and I took off. I had nothing to do with this. You say, Pastor, what's that got to do with what? I, I forgot me is always attentive. Thank you, Maya. That's what our text is all about. Obviously not Usain Bolt in me. But do you know who lives in you if you're saved? And do you know what happens if you're saved? Your life will be marked by this question. How'd you do that? First point I want to hit in verse 4 here. It says, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Do you know that by the work of Christ, applied to your life by the spirit of Christ, God himself views you as if you have kept the requirement of the law. God said to Shannon, you must be perfect. And Shannon said to God, I ain't perfect. And Jesus said, no, she is. I've imputed my righteousness to her. God sees us who are believers in Christ by the work of Christ applied to our life by the Spirit of God 
as if we have kept the law. We have met the requirement of the law. Amen? Amen. And I think a lot of people stop there. So I won't. It says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the? What's the one defining mark in the life of every true believer? There, there is one thing true in the life of every believer that never varies. Say that? You're right. Is anyone here indwelt by the Holy Spirit? If you're saved, put your hand up. You, you got to be able to do signs and wonders, right? To show that you have the Holy Spirit. And anyone, you have to be able to speak in tongues to show that you have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Do you know what you have to do as evidence of having the Holy Spirit? What did it just say right there at the end of verse 4? 4B. In us who what? Who what? Who what? Help them out, Leah. Oh, I got her. Walk. Got her. If we are saved, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And if we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we will? Anybody walking? Listen, God saved us to walk. Do you remember Genesis 2? God made Adam. He made him from the dust. He was a dirt boy, right? And he's, he's laying there, and he didn't just make him alive. He made the body. And then he breathed the spirit of life into Adam. And do you know what Adam did? No, he laid there. And God's like, Adam! Get up! I don't want to. Come on! I don't want to. So he picked him up. Do you think that's what happened? He breathed into him. He got up. He walked because he's alive. There's a wonderful verse in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 36. And God says in verse 26 of Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. This, this, is, this is just great. Is anyone here walking well for Christ? I mean, do we have any full-on sprinters? Do, none? We may be in trouble. Do, do we have any really good power walkers in Christ? Do, do, we, have, do we have anybody moving? How well do you have to walk to be saved? Wrong question. If you're saved, you will walk. You may not run. You may not power walk. You may walk with a heavy limb. Or you may, in fact, just crawl. But there will be signs of life, not because you have to strum them up, but because it says right here in my text that God indwells us. And if God indwells us, he causes us to live. Amen? So, so does that mean we just do a whole lot of stuff to show God that we're alive? I've been watching Roy. I don't know. Is, are we sure he's alive, guys? I hope so. <laughs> do you know how you can tell if Roy's alive? He moves. He breathes. He speaks. If you poke him, he'll poke you back. Well, if you're alive spiritually, when God pokes, you respond. When God speaks, you obey. When God says follow, do you know what you do? All be it imperfectly, but you 
follow. Now, how do you check to see if the Holy Spirit's in there? Hey, uh, how, do, how do we know? Huh, well, we got, we got to figure that out or we're up a crick. Do you know what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is? This is so marvelously encouraging and simple. You guys read John 16 this afternoon. Do you know what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is? Well, watch this. This is so easy. I hope this gives you so much joy and comfort. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a spotlight ministry. It's a light that shines on Christ. Everything the Holy Spirit does points to Christ. If you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the evidence that the Holy Spirit dwells in you is that your life points to Christ. Even just a little bit. If you desire to glorify God, even a little bit, did I just actually dance? Even just a little bit is evidence that the Holy Spirit is in your life. It's not signs and wonders and healings and visions and prophecies and tongues. Stop! It is a glorifying spotlight ministry that points to Christ. You want to talk about the other stuff, we can do that. But the main ministry of the Holy Spirit is not signs and wonders. It's to point to Christ. And if you are indwelt by him, you will what? Point to Christ. Your life will be about putting a light, a spotlight on Christ. You will decrease so that he might increase. Why do you do what you do? The believer answers that question a unique way. I ask a lost person who have this conversation with a bunch of kids coming out of college over the past six months. Why are you, you going to do what you're going to do when you graduate? You know what the answer isn't? For the glory of God. Why did you come here this morning? See, I'm a pastor. I shouldn't care. Just come. Bring people. I care immensely. I hope that you come for the glory of God. Because he calls his people to not neglect to gather together for his glory. For your good. Why, why do you want to share the gospel? For the glory of God. And this is evidence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Because on your own, you was just dead. And remember Mark 2? Jesus said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. They said, oh, it's ridiculous. Show us something better. He says, which is hard. Remember that whole thing? But he says to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, your sins are forgiven. What did the paralytic do? Got up, took his mat, his sins were forgiven. Ezekiel 37 says, I will put my spirit in you and cause you to obey my commandments. If you are saved, who dwells in you? God's spirit. And evidence that you will what? Me, I got a hard crowd today. Keep his commandments for his glory. There, there is so much that we're going to go in from this point through the rest of eight into nine into ten. We're, we're not getting into the heavy practical. Here's what you've got to do until we understand what's been done. Who's in Christ? Anyone here in Christ? There is now no condemnation for you in Christ. Amen? Amen. You have been credited with keeping the requirement of the law. Amen? Amen. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? 
You have a, a glorious future in front of you that your mind cannot comprehend. Amen? Amen? You have no idea how good you got it. Amen? Verse 10 tells me that you, you're battling the flesh. Your body's falling apart. It's going to all die. But that spirit who dwells in you will raise you from the dead. He is risen. He is risen you will be risen too. Indeed. Do you know how you got this? If you're in Christ, there is now no condemnation, no damnation for you, ever. You have God himself dwelling in you. You will rise from the dead bodily. That, that tension, the Roman 7 battle, do you, know, do you know why we don't walk so well? Because we got this humanness stuck on us. And it won't come off till the day you die. And that's why, listen, for the believer, the day you die is better than the day you were born. You ever think about that? We celebrate birthdays. We should celebrate death days because that's when you truly, fully start to live. This is incredible. But what's the opposite side of the coin? Start back in 8.1. There is what? Therefore, now know what? For who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. But what about them? Anybody know of them? Yep. Anybody know a lost person? Yep. Just Jim. <laughs> Do you know how God sees lost people? I said this on Thursday night. Do you know how God sees lost people? Condemned and damned. Condemned and damned. They will spend eternity in death, separated from God under the wrath of God and able to glorify God. You, you got no idea how bad lost people got it. You got no idea how good we who are in Christ got it. And do you know how you were saved? By grace through what? Do you know why you were saved? For the obedience of faith. Romans 1.5, so that God might bring about the obedience of faith for his name's sake. And do you know how he does this? Through him who dwells in you. That causes you, it gives you the ability and causes you to live for the glory of God. Here's the defining mark of a nominal name-only believer and a true believer. A true believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the evidence of that indwelling is they walk according to his word. You ever think about how simple that is? People say, well, why would I want to obey Jesus? Jesus, tell me why it's worth it. Wrong conversation. Why will you walk according to his word? He miraculously causes you to. He gives you a new heart. He gives you a new desire. He causes you by his power to walk in his word. So the question becomes that we wrestle with is are we doing it for the glory of God? I got in the starting blocks. Right? That's ridiculous. Like, I'm going to win a race like that. I'd blow a knee out halfway down. I'd finish in three minutes. But my life, your life in Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, is to be a life where people say, how did you do that? How did you forgive that person? How do you love that person? How do you not freak out when the money is low and the month is long? How do you not freak out when you're, you're in the hospital and the doctor says you're going to die? How do you not live like us? 
And do you know the answer? Oh, it's not me. It's him. I took a little pill, and the Holy Spirit lives in me. You didn't take no pill. God caused you to be born anew and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And as those indwelt by the Holy Spirit in increasing measure, your life will be marked by how'd you do that. Have you had any how'd you do that moments recently? I bet a lot of you have and don't even know it. You know when you're forced with a, a decision? How do you decide? The, the emoji-based decision or the truth-based decision? Because a truth-based decision you can't do on your own because it requires the glory of God to be desired. Why do you do what you do? Do you do it because it fits into what you're hoping and the world looks at you and goes, yeah, I get that. Or do you do it in such a way that the world looks at you and goes, what the heck? How, how, why, why did you do that? And we might say, for the glory of God, by the power of God, amen. What motivates me to do this? It's a new heart, but listen to me. Why are you pursuing what you're pursuing? Don't put your hand up. Anybody want to be rich? You feel okay. Why? Anybody want to be famous? No. Why? Anybody not want to be famous? Anybody have trouble sharing the gospel? You want to know why? Come downstairs, we'll unpack that a little more. This life I live in the flesh, I'm supposed to live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He dwells in me, he empowers me, so that I might glorify him. One of the primary ways I glorify him is by making much of him and telling lost people about him and encouraging saved people in him. And here's the beautiful reality that sits before us. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we can sit back and praise God and we could read 10 and 11. I was in a cemetery a week and a half ago and I didn't see any signs. I think there should be signs if there are saved people around. It says, beware body rising area. <laughs> I didn't see any. But do you know that if you're in Christ, you got your own Easter Sunday coming? You will be risen. You will be risen indeed. We, we, when you face scaries, when you face the end, when your body's aching, when, 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 think about this. When, when we pray and we got aches and pains and death and destruction and all sorts of trouble coming, we can pray for that. We can pray for healing. But we can praise. Lord, my hip is blown out of socket. My heart's barely thumping along. I can't think straight in my mind, but I praise you for the fact of the reminder that this ain't my eternal hip, that ain't my eternal tinker, and I got a new perfect mind coming, amen? And a lost person will come and sit in here and go, how the heck you praying for that? How'd you do that? How'd you do that? You see, a lost person sees us focus on circumstances. They say, I get it. But when we trust Christ and allow him to lift us over the circumstances, they say, how'd you do that? And now are you prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have? And we can rejoice over here, and we should rejoice over here, and we should look to Christ and say, Lord Jesus, why would you save us? Why would you save us to this and give us this and guide us in this and desire this for us? And it should blow your mind. But we can't stop there because there's a world full of people for who there is now condemnation. 
There is no resurrection of the body. There is no hope. How will they be saved? By you glorifying Christ, walking in obedience to Christ, and praising the gospel of Christ in in verbal communication. I hate Romans 8 because I want to do it in one fell swoop. Because it builds. You were saved not to go to heaven. That's not what, Jesus didn't save you to go to heaven. I got news for you. When you get to heaven, you're probably not going to notice a whole lot about heaven. Some of you think if Jesus doesn't show up, it might be better. Stop it. When you see the risen Lord face to face, you're probably not going to run to find your grandma who died a long time ago first. Okay? She can poke you in the arm like, hush, Nana, Jesus is here. Yeah, we, we, have, we have a resurrection body coming. And I guarantee you, I might whoop Usain Bolt in a sprint if he makes it to the new heaven and the new earth. But I'm not going to be focused on that. We'd be running side by side going, praise Jesus. Everything we do would be done for the glory of God. There is so stinking much here in this text. But what I want to drive home today is that if you are saved, there is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. The righteous requirement of the law has been kept. And the marker of this is that he dwells in us. Do you ever ever think of God as a a kind of an intellectual concept once removed? I, I know a lot of facts about God. I think a lot of people think being a Christian is knowing facts and accepting facts is true. You know what James calls that? That's demon faith. Being a Christian is no less than knowing facts. It's no less than believing those facts are true, but it's trusting in those facts. And the way you can trust in those facts, there's only one way. It's by a miraculous work of God causing you to be born anew. And the sign of you being born anew is that you begin to walk. And let me encourage, some of you in here need this encouragement. You're walking. You're you're walking a whole lot better than you think. And you need to find rest and joy and encouragement in the fact that you're walking. And because you're walking, you know there is now no condemnation for you. There are others who kind of need the other side of the coin. You might want to check if those legs work. You, You might want to stop sharing intellectual facts and trust Jesus. Check, kick the tire, see if it rolls. The reality is we all probably function somewhere in the middle where what we are is Adam laying in the dirt. Can you imagine if Adam is in the Garden of Eden having a grand old time and he just lays flat down in the dirt and he's like sitting there for three days. God comes by. What's up? Uh, uh, Adam. Get up, bud. Oh, it's so much better than in the dirt. That, 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 that animal just pooped on you, Adam. <laughs> Get up. And Adam gets up and God cleans him off and he starts to move again. Do you want to live your life having animals poop on you? Do, do you want to dig a hole in a cemetery and lay in the ground and pretend you're dead before your time? See, so often we live like Lazarus, grabbing the grave cloths, wrapping them back around ourselves and trying to climb in the tomb. We were saved to a living hope. 
And we are saved by the living God who dwells in us so that we might live for his glory. And, and what I love about Romans is Paul gives us all this foundational truth before he gives us the commandments, the doing things. Indicatives and imperatives are the big words. How gracious is God that he doesn't just say, you've been born anew, now go and do all this. He could. But he says, you've been born anew. Let me tell you what that means. We have, it says right here, we have peace with God. We're saved to life and peace, peace with God. If God is for us, you ever think about that? I love watching motorcades, especially a presidential motorcade. You ever seen one go by? Oh, they're fast and loud and scary. And yet you ever sit and go, I think I'm going to jump out and try to commandeer one of those cars. Yeah, there, there, there's usually not a major assault on a presidential motorcade. You know why? If the Secret Service and the police and, and some military people are with the president, who's going to come against him? I got news for you. Motorcade's not fail safe. But could you imagine if you could live life in perfect security? With, with a perfect security detail around you? Better yet, a perfect security detail that dwells in you? If God is for you, who could be against you? Now, here's the rub. Not everything's going to go according to your plan. The motorcade might not drive you where you want to go. But it'll take you where you need to go every single time. Amen? We are saved to a living hope. And, and I was thinking about this yesterday, and I'll, I will really close with this. My wife said to me last week, John, you, you, you tell people you're going to close like four times. <laughs> I guess I do. I'll close with this. If you could go to a hospital and heal Jack's heart right this moment, would you go and do it? I sure hope you would have left a while ago. If you saw a kid, a paralyzed kid in a, in a hospital and you could heal him, would you do it? If you could bring sight to a blind person, would you do it? If you could bring hearing to a deaf person, would you do it? If you could save a person from dementia or cancer, would you do it? I got news for you. If you're in Christ, you can. How? Because there is a greater miracle that all the other healings hinge upon. And if a person will trust in Christ and go from damnation to no condemnation, they are guaranteed for the blind to receive sight, for the lame to receive legs that walk, for, the, for those with cancer to be completely healed, for the dead to rise from the grave. It is not guaranteed in timing on this side, but listen to me. Jesus didn't come to the paralytic in Mark 2 and just say, get up and walk. Wow! The get up and walk pointed to the greater miracle of what? Your sins are forgiven. If you have an ailment or an affliction or a disease or, or, or something bad, if you are in Christ, you've already been healed. you got to wait, for, perhaps, for this body to die and decay, but you ain't going to have the affliction forever because Jesus came to make us perfect so we might worship him perfectly. We have the ability to go to lost, hurting, lame, blind people who are dying and offer them healing. The timing is the key. But the greater healing, the greater miracle is what it hinges upon. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. And I love how Paul will shortly get on to in Romans. How will these lost people hear about this good news? 
And you know how they hear? Because you got feet that move. You see the problems I have? I want to keep going with this text. For those of us who are truly saved, we walk because we've been saved to and empowered to walk. We obey God because we've been saved to and empowered to obey. We love one another because we've been saved to and empowered to love. We point to Christ because we've been saved to and empowered to point to Christ. It says right down here in verse 9, and this is where I'm closing. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now to prove to you I'm done, I'll put this here. And I get back in my starting blocks. What do they do that for? Does anybody know? I watch that on TV. They're always kicking their legs. Does it help? Maybe I could do this. I share the, the Usain Bolt illustration. Do you know how you say it? Usain. I'm saying it. How do you say it? I'm trying. Usna. I start out with this pill that I could run like Usain Bolt. The reason I started out with that is because I have this spirit of God, the spirit of Christ who dwells in me so that I might run like, live like, walk like, and talk like who? Jesus. We are called to be like Jesus. And we are able to be like Jesus because the spirit of God dwells in us. Corporately and individually, our lives should look like the lives of Jesus who came to seek and save that which was lost and live his life in the power of the Spirit for the glory of the Father. My friends, if you are in Christ, there is now no condemnation. The righteous requirement of the law has been kept. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. So you can now live like Jesus. How'd you do that? Let's pray. Father God, I pray, I praise you for your word. Lord Jesus, the fact that by grace through faith you saved us so we might have ears to hear. Holy Spirit, that you dwell in us to strengthen us, empower us, guide us, teach us, cause us to live the lives you've saved us to. Lord Jesus, wow us with your grace. Cause us to be enthralled with the gospel. Help us to understand the reality of the fact that apart from you, everyone lives cursed by you, condemned and damned. The world listens to that and says that's ridiculous and stupid. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to be gracious and merciful and loving because we were just like they. But you, Holy Spirit, work by your gospel to draw us. And I pray that you would allow us to live in light of your gospel and to speak the truth of your gospel. Letting lost people know that what kind of love would it be if God just said, oh, don't worry about it. You would be less than just. But God, you show your incredible love and grace and mercy in that while we were still sinners, while we could care less about you, while we loved to do what we wanted and wished you dead and mocked you and called your children liars and fools, you sent your son to save us. You caused your spirit to regenerate us, to cause us to be born anew. 
and you brought us from death to life. Lord, I pray if there are any in the hearing of this sermon today, either here or listening to it, that you might work in their lives to convict them of sin and separation, of condemnation, but at the same time of your offer of forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration. And for those of us, Lord, who are in Christ, help us to be reminded of why we are in Christ, what our lives are meant to be. May we be a mighty spotlight as your light, Holy Spirit, shines through us. May the actions and attitudes of our life point to our Lord and Savior in every conceivable way. And Lord, as we attempt to do that, may we cry out to you afresh each day, if not each moment. God, I can't. But you can. Lord, encourage us, guide us, provide for us, cause us to live our lives in such a way that people might ask, how'd you do that? And we might be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.